topic on planet Earth outside of your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Outside of your own relationship with God, this is the most important topic on planet Earth, and that's marriage and family. I know many of the things I might say tonight are going to be countercultural, and uh, if you're here and you say, well, I, I'm not married, this isn't for me, no, no, just sit tight, it's going to be for everybody. But uh, some of the stuff I say will be countercultural. I even understand that, man, some of the things, it's tough sometimes as you prepare a message because you are saying things that maybe someone in the congregation is dealing with, has dealt with, and you never want it to sting. You never want to say something that would hurt someone or open a wound, but yet you also want to make sure that you're preaching and sharing biblical concepts and principles um, even if that does go against the way somebody might have lived or been living. And so um, today, I, tonight, I, I want to spend a little time really talking about key, key, key things, um, one of them being things that are openly discussed in the Bible, but also things that are openly discussed in psychology and sociology. So I don't want anybody to feel attacked if I say something that maybe speaks to your situation because if you will hear some of the statistics that I will share in this message, you can look online, you can look at professional research, and this is a known fact about families. And so I say these disclaimers because even if your marriage relationship or family background doesn't look exactly like some of the things that I will talk about. I want you to know that no one is trying to ostracize you or judge you for a situation, especially if it's a situation beyond your control. And so you are loved by God and you are loved by Refuge Church. Paul said this to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 4.14. He says, they will no longer... Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body, the church. And that's exactly what I try to do every single time that I stand in this pulpit, is let truth be told. Sometimes it stings, but let it always be done in love. I don't think tonight will sting that much, but I'm already thinking forward to some of the other series God's laying in my heart, so just setting that groundwork, because uh, I feel like we're living in a time where truth is being questioned more and more and more, and so pulpit, voices in pulpits have to get louder, amen, and louder does not mean more harsh, so let's pray, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for the presence that we feel because it's your presence, it's your power, it's your anointing. God, you love us, and we are grateful for that, Lord. As I just said, you mold and shape us, and we're, we're so grateful for that. Thank you for not leaving us how you found us. God, speak through me tonight about marriage and family. In your name we pray, amen. So today, I read an Apple News story about Colorado collegiate football coach, Deion Sanders. Anybody ever heard of Deion Sanders, all right? Deion Sanders uh, claims to be a Christian. I don't know what his value system, belief system is completely, but he says he's a Christian. Even made himself a Christian rap album one time. That was interesting. Um, but uh, 
There's an opinion article written today tearing him up because <clears throat> Deion Sanders just went from Jackson State to, to Colorado, and he already got tore up for that decision. But um, I'm not here to say his decision should stay at Jackson State or go to Colorado. Well, that's beyond my pay grade. But he has a, a kind of a, a set of guidelines, rules, for his team and for his quarterback's position specifically. And so what Deion Sanders has decided is that at Colorado, the quarterback position is going to be someone who comes from a two-parent household. And again, I'm not here to say that yay or nay. I'm just sharing the news of what, what was being discussed today. And so he feels like there's some benefit to that. And, uh, and I find that interesting because... He is very, very much getting tore up in media today for that decision. Now, I think that some ways that the biblical model of marriage and family is also being tore up in mainstream media. And so I want us to look a little bit at God's design for these institutions that he created. God instituted marriage as the union of one man and one woman. And with that union, it was to be a lifelong covenant. It was interesting because I prepared this message a couple weeks ago, well, a little over a week ago, and forgetting that we have a, a wedding this Saturday. And I was like, man, I could have just preached this at the wedding. <laughs> and then my wife kindly reminded me that no one wants to hear me talk for 40 minutes at a wedding. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and still speak it here tonight. And so... Um, so God instituted that marriage, and with that union, it was to be a lifelong covenant, not just a temporary fling, not a sexual escapade, not a good old shot that we'll see if this will work. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, there's a lot in that simple passage when God created marriage. A, it's between a husband and a wife. B, a man shouldn't remain a mama's boy but he should leave one thing and cling to his wife. And see, the word cleave here means pursue closely, remain steadfast, stay or stick together. So God called me to leave my mama, who I love, and stick closely and stay and remain steadfast to my beautiful wife. When God designed marriage, it was meant to be something that follows this pattern. This is why Jesus even quoted the passage about creation and marriage, about the creation of marriage in Mark 10, 6. He says, God made them male and female from the beginning as of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one, since they are no longer two but one. Jesus says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. I may or may not say that on Saturday. And this lifelong covenant of marriage is also what pro provides the basis for the biblical family. Malachi 2.15 says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the, faith, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Scripture. It is 
the ideal means of nurturing children, teaching them to love God, and training them to be productive members of society. And God's plan has always been for a father and a mother to make distinctive but integrative contributions. When I say integrative, I mean simply things that unify separate things. So um, this means that a, a father and a mother bring different things to a child. But both come together in beautiful unity in the life of a child. The Book of Wisdom, Proverbs 1, 8, 9 says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. I know you guys probably wished I would have preached this on Sunday when the youth were upstairs. Maybe we can sneak it in. They got me speaking down there. Not this, when next Wednesday's the business meeting. I'm speaking down there the Wednesday after, so maybe I'll slip it in if somebody gives me enough money. But just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> it says, my listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Both are important. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Both a mother and father play crucial roles. This was God's plan. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Children have responsibility there, and so do parents. Both play that role. One study shows the following. I shared this today on social media just before I came here. According to Dr. Meg Meeker, which I will pause and say, if you've never heard Meg Meeker, I went and saw her in person. Um, and she spoke at an event with Dave Ramsey. And she is awesome. Met her. Even got a picture with her. She's probably somewhere telling someone that she got a picture with Gary Dornbach. But, <laughs> but if you have a daughter and you're a dad, you will not regret reading the book, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Read that book and you will be challenged. Probably cry a bit and feel encouraged and know your role is crucial. But she says... A father's degree of physical affection toward his daughter is directly related to her self-esteem. And so fathers should hug their daughters, hug them often, and let them know that they are safe in your arms. Fathers matter. Mothers matter. Both are needed. The human family is based on nature, which is God's design. Humans reproduce when a male and female come together, we won't stay here long, but that seems common sense, but it's getting less and less as time goes on. Brain chemistry creates both mother-infant and father-infant bonding. Women are biologically designed to bear and nurture small children. That is not to say that's their only role, but a man's body is not designed to nurture a child. This is something incredible, unique, and special to a mother and a child. Like that, a father is clearly called by God to protect and provide for his family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. 
So we have a biblical principle that this is not to say if a woman works outside the home. And I never ask a woman, now, do you work? You got kids, you work more than I do, okay? I will never say, do you work? Do you work outside the home? If you choose to work outside the home in your house, more power to you, okay? Great. But a man should be, is called by God to be doing some type of provision for his family. He should also be active in the home in investing, training, and teaching the children. But God-given responsibility of men are to protect and provide. Before God created Eve, he first made Adam with the will to work. Men are called to help and to lead the way with providing. When I say lead the way, that does not mean, oh, they need to make more and a woman needs to stay at home. I'm not saying that. But biblically, God has called men to work. Throughout history, marriage itself has been a strong, stabilizing, and civilizing force. Not just in church culture. I'm talking about society itself. Marriage has been a fabric of the strength of each society. One time I was doing pre-marriage counseling with a couple, and I talked about, just in passing, I just said, yeah, you know, men and women are different. They're complementary but different. And this woman looked at me and said, I, don't, I argue with you on that point. What is so different about us? Every once in a while, I still get shocked after 14 years of pastoring. The, cynic, the cynical side of me wanted to respond to that question. Say, well, where would you like to start? There's a lot of differences. But she said there were no measurable differences. And, and just because I say a man and a woman are different, this is not exalting one over another. I want you to understand this. We are complementary but different. We approach relationships different. We're anatomically different. We are often emotionally different. Our contemporary culture is attacking the traditional family unit. So I'm not going to knock you if, you're a, if you're, you're a woman, you choose to work outside the home, and it's your choice, or you feel like you need to do that, fine. But in, if, in, in flip side of that, if you're saying, no, we want to have more of a, more of a traditional or, or old school mentality role where I'm going to go to work and my wife's going to stay home and care for children, well, then if that works for you, don't let society talk you out of that either. And so I'm not saying that we should always keep it that way, you know, that, oh, we just got to do it like it was in the 1920s or 1910s. No. Women used to not be able to discuss business matters. They could not vote. People could be enslaved because of color or nationality. So in some ways, I'm incredibly thankful that we have progressed as a society. But in all our progression, let us not ignore biblical values or personal responsibilities. God has made man and woman different, and no matter how much society might try to push a message that we don't need one another in parenting, I want you to know God's design was marriage between one man, one woman, parenting to include the influence and love and training of both a father and a mother, because both are different but necessary. The contemporary culture of fornication breaks this connection between the sexual relationship and the biblical concepts of love, marriage, and family. As sexuality has been more openly portrayed in entertainment and discussed in postmodern culture, it's become a creative way to express yourself. God created sexuality, and it should be a gift to us, one that should be enjoyed. But it is called to be enjoyed only in the confines of marriage. 
And so, man, you're old-fashioned. You think you should only have sex if you're married? Thousand, thousand percent, yes. Like you can call me old-fashioned, ancient, whatever you want to call me. I'm going to call me in the Bible. Listen to sociological research. This is not biblical stuff, but it backs biblical stuff. I have references for all this. If you want to see it afterwards, I'll make sure I get you going the right way so that you know I'm not just making this up. Married people, research shows, married people live longer, have better health, earn more money, accumulate more wealth, feel more fulfillment in their lives, enjoy more satisfying sexual relationships, and have happier and more successful children than those who remain single, cohabit, or get divorced. Now, again, I, I know that I'm talking to a, a online in here that different people fall into different categories. So I'm not, I'm not, this is not an attack against anybody. It's, this is just sociological research. Now, am I saying that to elevate one group over another? No. I just want you to see that joy and fulfillment can come when you follow God's plan. Jesus said adultery can be grounds for divorce, but divorce was never God's original intention. Matthew 19, three Pharisees came to him, tempting him, saying, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said, have you not read that which made them at the beginning, made them male and female? He said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, starts quoting exactly what we just read. They say in verse 7, they said, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement to put away? They're trying to trick Jesus, trap him. <laughs> and Jesus very clearly says, listen here, Moses did this because of your hard hearts. He does not say, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Man, you guys got me. He's like, no, 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 that happened because of your hard hearts. That's why Moses did that. But from the beginning, Jesus says it was not so. And I say to you, whosoever shall put his away, his, away his wife, except it be for fornication. That's, that's sexual activity outside of marriage. Shall marry another committeth adultery, and whoso marrieth her which is put away doth also commit adultery. In some cases, divorce is the lesser of two evils. And I won't even go into this in depth, but I hear a lot of times, well, God wants me to be happy. It's a good concept. Where is that in the Bible? God's, God's, I never said my goal is to make you happy. Now, do I think marriage should be a fulfilling, I, when I'm married to my wife, my goal is not to just hang on to the end until God comes back, oh Lord. <laughs> she might feel like that some days. But no, I, I love, love. There's nothing on this earth I want to do more than be married to Jackie. Like, nothing. So, that wasn't in my notes. All right. <laughs> Whenever you give me some awes, that probably scores me some points. So, this is probably a good thing. But, but I will say that God, God was not going, oh, I just, I just, no, it's, a, it's a commitment for better or worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, as long as we both shall live. There's a lot of commitments, a lot of covenant there. And so marriage, even in the greatest marriage, is, is really hard sometimes. Like, 
don't, please don't act like you never struggle, okay? We all do. At times, marriage is difficult. And it takes patience. It takes the fruit of the Spirit. And so, but this whole like, oh, well, I'm just going to leave because God wants me happy. I, I, I just don't agree with that. Now, if someone is being abused sexually, physically, there are times I'm going to say you need to get, get out of that. That's not, it's not good for you. But, well, he leaves his socks on the thing, and she doesn't cook me dinner. She burns the steak. Like, what? No, this is not grounds for divorce. Okay? And, yeah, well, I think it's good for my kids because we fight a lot. And so I need to get my kids. Now, if your kids, please don't add to my words. If your kids are in danger, you need to make changes. I'm not saying that. But like, hey, there's tension in the home. We tend to fight. So my kids deserve better. Well, I want you to see the flip side of this. According to research, I could list it. Like I say, every, every article, every author, just see me if you want to see it. But divorced people and their children can suffer many adverse consequences, including higher rates of poverty, physical and mental illness, substance abuse, depression, and even suicide. Second marriages have a higher failure rate than first marriages, which is a strong reason to always aim to resolve problems in an existing marriage, if possible, rather than fleeing. Again, this is not even just based on scripture. I'm sharing with you proven psychological and sociological research. So I don't want you to think like, what a jerk. He knows that I'm in this situation and he's saying all these things. Like, no, I just want you to see. I want people to see these things that are, this is, this is research. I'm not even, I'm not sharing personal opinion here. Step families have additional challenges, including higher rates of child abuse. The adult children of divorce often feel their relationships are doomed even when things are going well. They typically fear commitment and avoid conflict. And I wish I could say, I, I haven't run into this, but 14 years of pastoring and counseling, I've been a part of more sessions than I can count that reflect this very research. There are long-term effects to living life outside God's plan. Now, I will say again, I keep prefacing, I understand some of you here today watching online, you're divorced, you're remarried, you may not even like what I'm saying, and maybe it even feels, makes you feel a little defensive or hopeless for your situation, maybe even your child's future. I am not sharing these things to make you feel bad. Let me pause and say, I am so thankful for the grace of God. God will help you. If he says, Matthew 6, if you keep me first, I'll take care of the rest of those things. Now, he didn't specifically name parenting or children, but he was talking about all of the needs that we have. And if you will keep God number one, I believe that he will help you, bless you, lead you, guide you, cover your children, help you as a parent. I believe that. Because even if some of these things were not in his original plan, I believe he hears the prayers of his people and he honors us when we remain faithful to him. He's, the, the book is packed with those promises. So always stay close to Jesus. 
Keep your children involved. Lead by example in prayer, worship, and attitude. Let them see the love of Christ shining through you. Always stay connected to the church and to the body of Christ. And those of you who may be approaching a critical decision, should I sleep with this person to whom I'm not married? I pray that you hear the research that I'm discussing. Should I divorce this person to whom I am married? Should I let my kids do these things because it's not worth the daily battle? Here are the statistics that I'm sharing. The Bible shares God's plan and sociological and psychological research proves God's plan is truly best. So before you would just go with what is easier or before you would just listen to your flesh, make sure you consider all of these things before making a decision. Two rules by which to live in every area of life, but especially marriage, parenting. First, never make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. We've been really struggling these last few months. I think it's done. No, it doesn't have to be. And second, don't make decisions in the valley. I hate my job right now. Things have been so horrible through this season. Don't quit the job yet. Don't make decisions in the low point. And I'll even share a little more research. According to data from the U.S. Census Bureau, if young people graduate from high school, get a job, and get married before having children, they have a 75% chance of joining the middle class and only 2% chance of falling into poverty. Almost 30% of single-parent households are poor during a given year compared to only 5% of married family households. On average, children who don't live with their biological fathers are at least two to three times more likely to be poor, use drugs, experience educational, health, emotional, and behavioral problems, be victims of child abuse, and engage in criminal behavior as compared to those who live with married biological adoptive parents. Other significant problems correlated with absent fathers are teen fornication, teen pregnancy, childhood obesity, educational underachievement, school dropout, and incarceration. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not preaching Bible even here. I'm, I'm preaching mothers and fathers. Both of us have such a critical and crucial role. It's by God's design, but society also points to this fact. One survey found that in 2022, there were about 16 million children living with a single mother and over 3 million living with a single dad. Merely having two adults in the home does not fix everything. A lot of deadbeat parents that are causing problems and not doing anything. So in no way am I trying to say, if you're single, better hurry up and get married. Like, that's not the case. Okay? The best outcomes occur when the biological father and mother both are present and active. 
according to a Fox News article from June of this last year. Almost 25% of children and teens in America don't have a father in the home. 25%. Out of these homes, these comprise 85% of those with behavioral disorders in our nation. 70% of those in drug and alcohol treatment centers. And 90% of those who are homeless and runaways. Strong fathers matter. Strong mothers matter. Both parents matter. God's plan matters. If you're here and you're like, man, I'm doing the best I can. I feel a little beat up here tonight. Number one, remember God's grace. You keep God first. He's on your side. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will protect you, will cover you. Number two, it's the beauty of being involved in a church. Because you know what? If you're a single dad, single mom, there are some incredible men and women in this church that you can get that will invest in your children, that will teach them things and pick them up and take them to small groups and pay for them to go to youth events and, and pray for them and, and pick them up for church. And we have people doing things right now that maybe some of you don't even know about for single parent homes to help children. But we're not mind readers. You've got to kind of let us know about what you're looking for, what's needed. And we will have people that will step up to assist. And not because you're not doing a good job but because there's vital things that should be taught from men and women. And if maybe your situation is such that someone has chosen to not fulfill that role, I don't believe God goes, well, that person was a knucklehead and left, so you're all doomed. No, 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 no. Keep God first. Stay plugged into the church. And let the church assist too. And I'm telling you, God's going to help you. But I want the rest, I want us to see that isn't it interesting that God's plan from ancient days is exactly what society and psychology are pointing to is the best plan. Thankfully, with God, there is always hope. You're never hopeless. Your children are never hopeless. Your marriage is never hopeless. Your, your ability to parent is never hopeless. With God, there's always hope. But I'll tell you what, whether you're a single parent home, whether you're both married, whether adoptive parents, no matter what, we all need Jesus. Every single one of us, we've got to have the strength of the Lord. We've got to have his wisdom, his anointing, his, his patience, the fruit of his spirit. And so the infilling of God's spirit can help overcome negative influences, behaviors, consequences. And, and so I need his spirit to lead me not just when I'm preaching a message. I need his spirit to lead me when I'm disciplining my kids. I need his spirit to lead me when I'm having hard conversations, when they're asking about bedtimes or play dates or phones or who they like or all these things like, oh, Jesus, help me. I need God's spirit to lead me. We all need Jesus. 
And so tonight, I just think it would be so expedient to pray for these important aspects of our lives. And as they come and she comes and starts to play here, I just want to invite you all to stand. And I think that our prayer focus tonight can be so specific. No matter what your situation is, it can be so specific praying about these important aspects of our life, marriage, children. Some of you have adult, grown children. Don't stop praying for them. Family, our households. We all need Jesus so bad. We need his strength. We need his wisdom. We need, we need his help in every single element of our lives. And I know that if you're a parent here, we're the same. We are doing the best that we can. And I say this all the time. Sometimes we go to bed and we're like, man, I did pretty, I'm a pretty good dad. And other times we go to bed and we're like, oh, God, don't, don't, don't hold it on my kid's account based on my failures. I am not, a, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. It was not a great parenting day. Thank you for your grace, Lord. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I need to be led by your spirit. Even when I converse with my kids, when I have conversations with them, there's things that are innate, innate in a parent. You can just look at your kid. Man, I remember my mom used to come downstairs in my bedroom. I was living in the basement by choice, not because they punished me or anything. She goes, what's wrong with you? Nothing, Mom. I'm fine. Gary, I know something's wrong with you. Mom, I'm fine. Any parents relate to this? And you're just like, okay, I, I know you. I gave birth to you. I trained you. I know something's not right. So you might as well just tell me. Man, she'd sit on my bed until I just started to talk to her. And to this day, you know, I, I, I still will share things with my mom. I love her. Appreciate her. But I need to be spirit-led about as busy as I may. Wait, what are my kids going through? When should I approach them? How should I approach them? What should I say? What, what, when's it time for correction? When's it time for love? When's it time to say, no, 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 there's going to be discipline? And when's it time just to embrace? I, I need the leading of the spirit because the Bible's filled with biblical principles, but it does not say. I sometimes wish it did. If your kids stay up too late, do this. If they talk to somebody, if they break your rules, do this. If you, like, that would be awesome. But it doesn't. And so we're all here trying to raise these godly individuals. And we need the help of God's Spirit. His Spirit infilling me is not just to get me to heaven. It's to help me in these daily decisions. I need God's Spirit to lead me in my conversations with my kids and with my wife. And so I just invite you to just find a place to pray for your marriage, for your children, for your household. Maybe it's to forgive your parents for what you feel they didn't do. Well, bitterness and anger and hatred, that's not going to help. So maybe it's a prayer, God, help me to forgive them. 
for what they did or did not do. Jesus, help us. Help us, God.